Hello, uh, my name is Mihir Parikh. I'm an ophthalmologist in San Diego, California, and I've been performing LASIK and cataract surgery in this community for the past 20 years. Uh, so today my topic that I'd like to discuss on this podcast is advancing visual performance post-cataract and throughout the lifespan. Um, this is a really interesting topic from my standpoint because historically when I've been doing cataract surgery for all these years, I spent the most amount of my time just educating the patient on what is a cataract and how is surgery actually performed and then reviewing the risk and benefits associated with the surgery. And I'm sure that's what most ophthalmologists do nationwide or even worldwide. However, in the last few years, I've noticed that the next set of questions the patients always seem to ask after they're getting their education component is, well, if I do this surgery, how long will my vision last? Will it last forever or just for a few years? And, um, and so we have now, I now spend about, I would say, 50% of my time educating the patient on the procedure itself, and then another 50% of the time just kind of going over what can the patient expect in terms of immediate visual outcomes, and then what will it take to maintain those visual outcomes for the long term. And it's a, it becomes a very interesting conversation, especially because uh, there's been a lot of press in the last uh, six months, a year, I'm sure many of you have seen it, where they talk about people actually living longer. So as they live longer and or their visual demand for um, of having good vision increases, whether it's on computers or at work or something like that, um, we're not- I'm actually noticing um, patients coming in earlier for cataracts and they're living longer. So the cumulative time that a lens implant actually sits in that patient's eye and the expectation of having good vision is now probably much longer today than it definitely was 20 or 30 years ago um, in terms of patients. And there was actually a New York Times article that led led credibility to this um, because uh, it was published in the New York Times December 2017. It was titled, Cataract Surgery May Prolong Your Life. And actually, the reason I know about this article is because the patient actually brought it to me and asked me to take a look at it and was one of the reasons why they were considering to have surgery. And this basically article kind of uh, went through a, an article that was published in JAMA Ophthalmology that showed that cataract surgery in older women is associated with lower risk for total and cause-specific mortality. Um, and so it, it's basically suggested that if cataract surgery is done, they've noticed that in, in that study, um, which is approximately 15,000 patients, that women would live longer by having their cataract surgery. That was the association. And uh, that always prompts the question of, like, why? And, and if you can live longer, why not do this surgery so that you can have better vision? And that doves it, it dovetails into the expectation of uh, maintaining long-term vision. So when we begin this discussion with the patient about expectation, short-term and especially long-term, then what are the type of primary considerations we should have that would actually give us this successful outcome? And uh, the first thing would be to just make sure the patient's ready for surgery. Do they actually want surgery? Is their eye ready? And is their expectations in alignment with the technology that we can deliver? And then number two would become, is their eye actually healthy enough to undergo the surgery? And is the outcome that they're expecting, um, is that something we can deliver as surgeons? So I spent a considerable amount of time after diagnosing their cataract and educating them on just evaluating their entire eye. So we'll look at their ocular surface, and a lot much has been talked about in making sure that they do not have dry eyes and their ocular surface is optimized, because that will impede or impact the quality of vision immediately after surgery, as well as long-term if they sustain 
or suffer dry eyes for a long time period. Uh, the second thing I look at, um, and this is besides the cataract, of course, is at the retina. So when we dilate the eye, I'm, I'm looking at the retina completely to make sure it's okay, but I'm specifically looking at the center part of the retina because it's, at the, it's the center part of the retina that actually is where all your cones um, reside, and that's what allows you to see in color vision. It's the most important part of the anatomy because if the central part of the retina is damaged or uh, loses its um, health, then you actually it'll, it'll negatively impact the central 20 degrees of your visual field, the central 20 degrees, and that's where most of your activities are done, right in the middle. So you want to always preserve the central retina for as long as possible. The way we, I assess the retina is I first do the clinical exam, and number two, we'll actually obtain an OCT of their, of their retina to make sure that it looks on OCT structurally normal. Once I know that their uh, ocular surface is optimized, they have a cataract, and their retina seems to be in um, optimal shape, then we can talk further about their expectations, and, uh, and you're much more confident that the patient's capable of having a good long-term outcome um, after the surgery because you know their eye's in a healthy position to start with. When the surgery is finally completed and the outcome is achieved, well, now a considerable amount of time and energy and money has been spent um, and exerted on getting this outcome. So the question that always comes up, usually within the first week or maybe the first month after surgery, when after a successful procedure, is, well, this is fantastic. I'm so happy I did this. I'm going to tell my friends. And then they'll say, I don't want my vision to return the way it used to be. I always want to have this vision. What can I do to keep my vision in this manner? And this comes up often. And we always talk about, um, I specifically talk to the patients about making sure they control their diabetes, they control their high blood pressure, uh, maintain good cholesterol um, control. And then I, I get into a discussion on exercising and diet. It's really important to eat lots of greens in your diet, exercise uh, strenuously, don't smoke. <clears throat> the thing is that when you really think about these recommendations, they're very kind of vanilla because this is something that any physician can deliver, not just uh, an ophthalmologist or optometrist, but any, any general physician can deliver this. You really want to, as an eye doctor, an eye provider, we should really be more specific on what can they do to actually preserve the health of their eye. That's what they're really asking. And besides good systemic control of their body, um, is there anything else? And so I kind of go a little further and I'll say, hey, you need to maintain your ocular surface. Use artificial tears. Don't rub your eyes. And then number two, I spend, once again, time on their retina. I'll say, you know, your retina was healthy before we started. We need to make sure we keep that retina healthy, the central part of the retina especially, for as long as you live. And that means wearing UV protection when you're outdoors and then keeping your macula healthy. And historically, we've told our patients, eat lots of greens in their diets, maybe <clears throat> take a uh, vitamin supplement that contains the AREDS-2 formulation. But we know, we know Americans in general do not eat healthy. I mean, that's very well documented. And uh, even if you do eat healthy, how do you know you're getting enough nutrients to keep that macula healthy by your natural diet? And that's really something that um, is not well known. Um, or we know that it's not well followed. And it's important to have this nutritional health of your macula because we know that the macula pigment, which is the, that yellow, when you do your clinical exam and you look at the yellow sheen that you see in the central part of the retina, we know that that macula pigment is very important. It contains three things, lutein, zeaxanthine, and mesozeaxanthine. Those are the three components that make up that macula pigment. And now 
we have significant level one evidence-based medicine data that shows, and these are studies that are randomized, double-blind, um, that show that if, if that macular pigment is healthy and robust and at a high level, the macula um, functions at its highest peak performance. And I just want to talk about that a little bit more. So, for example, five years ago, we didn't really have this kind of data. We didn't have level one evidence-based medicine data that showed the importance of maintaining macular health in someone who's relatively healthy. Um, how do we prevent decline in, in what looks like a structurally normal, healthy retina? Um, but there was a CREST study, a Central Retinal Enrichment Supplementation Trial. It's published in 2016, level one set data uh, that showed that if we rebuilt the macular pigment layer, in, uh, in, in patients who have a low-density layer, if we rebuilt it with three nutrients, the lutein, the zeaxanthine, the mesozeaxanthine, patients showed improved contrast sensitivity, decreased glare, uh, less light scatter, uh, and a faster photostress recovery. These are all suggestive that the macular pigment layer is very important in having optimal vision. Part of that function is by... Um, building the macular pigment density, we're filtering out some of the blue light, and that's improving the quality of vision. And that's been shown very well in that study. They also did a second study, um, the Crest AMD study, which showed that when you supplement patients who have early onset macular degeneration, you can actually slow the progression of AMD by supplementing with these three nutrients or carotenoids. And that's important because when we do a cataract surgery, especially on younger patients who look like they have a normal, healthy retina, we definitely do not want them to develop macular degeneration 5, 10, 15, or 20 years later, or anything we can do to prevent that, um, that, that creation, that formation, or acceleration of the macular degeneration is in the patient's best interest. And these studies uh, are suggestive um, that macular pigment density um, and, and rebuilding that macular pigment layer in a person's macula can have significant improvement on uh, long-term visual outcomes and performance. When a surgery is performed and we get the great outcome and the patient's really happy, these are the type of things I spend, I spend time talking on. But what I've learned is after we do the surgery and we start having this discussion of, hey, now you need to put artificial tears in your eyes and don't rub your eyes and eat well and take this macular pigment um, supplementation, these are things that are um, more challenging to get the patients to, so, um, to adhere to after the surgery is already complete because it's actually not part of their thinking. You know, now it's a lifestyle adjustment that you're asking to make after the surgery is actually performed. So I'm, I'm finding in my practice that it's better to actually educate them on these concepts at the time of the cataract surgery. So when they come in for their cataract consult, we'll educate them on cataracts, what is it and how are we going to do the procedure and what outcome they can expect in the short term. In the same conversation, we'll explain to them the importance of maintaining their ocular surface and in, uh, in making sure that their healthy retina stays healthy. And I actually now recommend that they begin MacuHealth um, prior to the cataract surgery. Um, that MacuHealth is the product that was used in those crest, styles, crest trials that I was referencing earlier um, that has the lutein, zeaxanthine, and mesozeaxanthine in the ratios that were used exactly in the study. And I find if it worked in the study, why not use it in real life? And, and so that's been my now go-to recommendation on how to prepare a patient for cataract surgery and then therefore also maintain long-term health. I'm finding that this is something that's um, resonating very well in my patient population, and, um, and I think that's part of uh, moving forward as we do cataract surgery on younger and younger patients, and as patients live longer and longer, there's going to be an increasing demand on 
not only performing the surgery well, but trying to optimize or maximize the chance of the patients enjoying that visual outcome for the longest time period. Thank you for joining us in the podcast today.